I'm also excited uh, today. We have a guest with us, and he's kind of become a friend uh, of mine, Matt Barnes. Come on up, man. Uh, Matt Barnes is with us today. He is the chaplain at the State House in the state of Indiana. And would you guys just give a warm round of applause to Matt for being here this morning? And Matt, I think I'll just uh, turn it over to you, sir. Uh, hey, there we are. Well, uh, so we had the elementary school, then the high school, and now here. And uh, I just, I love to see a church that's just on the move. Isn't that good? Just on the move, moving somewhere, going somewhere. And uh, it's great to, great to be with you all here at Grandview. And um, what a beautiful facility. And uh, so grateful to be here. I get to work in a beautiful building as well. And it is downtown. How many have ever been to the Indiana State House and been inside? All right, a good number of you. That's excellent. What a beautiful, beautiful place. Built in 1878 to 1888. Took them 10 years to build. They had a budget of just under $2 million for that beautiful structure. So incredible. We couldn't, certainly couldn't do that today, I'm sure. Um, give you a little bit of who I am, and then we'll get into the message. Um, so my name's Matt. My wife is Miriam. She is playing piano at our church this morning. And uh, my daughter is with her, Emma. And then uh, we, she is 16. And then my son Micah is the next oldest one, as he, he is currently in Wichita Falls at Lackland Air Force Base, and he just enrolled in the Air Force back in December, and so we haven't been able to see him for these many months because of COVID, and there, nobody's allowed on base, nobody's allowed off base, and so it's been hard for us uh, with our son in the Air Force, looking forward to picking him up in a few weeks to take him on to his duty station in Albuquerque. Then my oldest daughter, Sarah. She serves at a church in Hebron, Indiana, up in northwest Indiana, so that's where she is this morning. So I'm flying solo, um, but it's great to, great to be with you. So I have served in the Indiana Capitol since 2004. I walked in the Capitol, I asked if I could speak with the chaplain. They told me we don't have a chaplain in the Indiana State House. We've never had a chaplain in Indiana State House history. And so they gave me a list of all 150 members of the General Assembly. I went up to but they said, well, we, ha- we don't have a chaplain, but we have a really nice chapel room. And I know Tyson's been there. We have a chapel, first state house in the nation to have a chapel room inside the building. And so we have this chapel room, but no chaplain. I shut the door and began to pray for every one of these elected leaders. And my heart was just gripped with a burden to get to know them and to be able to pray for them specifically. Went home and suggested to my wife quitting my job at the hardware store and starting a ministry in the capital. Uh, our kids were five, three, and six months at the time. And amazingly, she said, yes, let's go. And so we did. I quit my job. We moved to a hotel room in downtown Indianapolis and started a ministry in the capital with no money, no promise of any money, no job description, no benefits, nothing at all. I look back at that and I think that is like the craziest thing I ever could have done. I mean, that's nuts. I mean, who does that? Um, and so God clearly wanted something to happen there. And so we've been serving there now for 17 years, still volunteer chaplain at the Capitol, and God is providing for us and opening doors that I could never have imagined. God taking a guy that used to sell two-by-fours and putting him in the Capitol to, to share the Word of God, to pray with leaders. We have weekly Bible studies every week, Thursday morning. We have a Bible study for legislators, and so this year's been a little different. Um, we do online, so we do a Zoom and in person, so about a 300-person auditorium, 
And we have about 30 legislators that attend this Bible study, which is pretty remarkable when you think about it. There's 150 legislators, 30 of them attend a Bible study every Thursday morning. That's 20% of the General Assembly attending a Bible study. Uh, isn't that exciting? I mean, that's pretty cool that God, what God is doing in your capital. So Bible studies, chapel services, counseling times, and God is really at work in our capital, and praise the Lord for that. Uh, I'm just amazed that I get to get to meet these folks and get to know them. And, you know, they, they, I love politicians. I know I've probably said this here before, but I love politicians. And people look at me really funny when I say that. Um, but politicians are just people. And people, uh, God loves people, right? So if God loves all people, then God would also love politicians. Isn't that an interesting thought? And so this morning, I want you to say I love politicians with me on the count of three, okay? Because I want to love what God loves, don't you? All right? So at the count of three, let's say I love politicians, all right? One, two, three. I love politicians. Amen. Tyson, they're real excited about this. I can tell. Yay! I love politicians. What did we just say? Um, but the reason that I love them is because I've been praying for them. And I've discovered over the years it's impossible to hate somebody you're earnestly praying for. You can't hate them. You end up loving them. And so I love every one of them, regardless of where they are politically or ideologically. All people need Jesus. And I think we would all say our politicians need Jesus, right? They do. And, and we do as well, because all people need the Lord Jesus Christ. So uh, this morning, I am, you know, I was wondering about this and thinking about it. I, I'm going to go ahead and, um, you know, I like to be authentic and real and transparent. And um, one of the things that I love to do, I love to sing. Now, that doesn't mean I'm good at it, um, but I love to sing. And so Tyson, would it be all right if I just sing a song? And Tyson's like, I'm not sure. <laughs> Haven't heard you sing before. Uh, so it's, it's a song that really has touched my heart. I think it'll go along well with the message this morning. And um, it's, it's called Mercy Tree. I don't know if you guys have sung that here, but it's a beautiful song. And so I'll give it a shot here and then get into the message. <clears throat> should I use this one or go? Or should I go with the one on just go here? All right. You guys will have to modulate a little bit. All right. On a hill called Calvary stands an endless mercy tree. Every broken, weary soul, find your rest and be made whole. Stripes of blood that stain its frame, shed to wash away our shame. From the scars, pure love released, salvation by the mercy tree. In the sky between two thieves Hung the blameless prince of peace Bruised and battered, scarred and scorned Sacred head pierced by our thorns It is finished was his cry The perfect lamb was crucified his sacrifice, our victory, our Savior chose the mercy tree. Hope went dark that violent day. The whole earth quaked at love's display. 
Three days silent in the ground, this body born for heaven's crown. But on that bright and glorious day, when heaven opened up the grave, he's alive and risen indeed. Oh, praise him for the mercy tree. Death has died, love has won. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Jesus Christ has overcome. He has risen from the dead. One day soon we'll see his face. And every tear he'll wipe away. No more pain, no suffering. Oh, praise him for the mercy tree. Death has died, love has won. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Jesus Christ has overcome. He has risen from the dead. On a hill called Calvary stands an endless mercy tree. Thank the Lord for the mercy tree. Tyson's like, I'm never having you back to sing again. That was the last time. All right. Well, if you want to turn in your Bibles to Proverbs chapter number 17, Proverbs 17. And we've been walking through Proverbs for many years in the capital. Uh, Proverbs just gives you a different subject matter almost every verse. It's wonderful. And Proverbs chapter number 17, verse number 8. And I'm going to make a bit of a case this morning, as uh, you'll, you'll see here momentarily. We'll read the verse first, and then I'll begin to break it down. Proverbs 17, verse number 8. A gift is as a precious stone in the eyes of him that hath it, whithersoever it turneth, it prospereth. So let's say a word of prayer, and then we'll get into this verse. Father, we thank you for your word. Thank you that it's so precious to me. Thank you that as much as we try to mine it out and fathom the depths, we are unable to. You are deeper, broader, higher. You are bigger than we can ever imagine. And Father, I thank you for your word this morning. May you hide me behind the cross, and may my words be your words this morning in Christ's name. Amen. You will notice right away, probably, uh, different versions interpret this particular word, gift, in different ways. Now, it can be both venal and redemptive, or positive and negative. I'm going to make the case this morning that the word gift shouldn't be bribe, it should be gift, because precious means a gracious gift. So we're just going to take it on its positive side this morning. You can take that definitely, I mean, bribes are bad. Um, in this particular sense, a gift is as a precious stone. And I like for Scripture to interpret Scripture. So uh, the different versions will read that differently. But I think if we look at Scripture as a whole, we'll discover what this really means. And I want to turn on to 1 Peter chapter number 2. 1 Peter chapter number 2 and another section of Scripture where he talks about a precious stone. A gift is as a precious stone in the eyes of him that hath it. All right, 1 Peter chapter number 2, starting in verse number 4. 1 Peter 2, starting in verse number 4. To whom coming as unto a living stone, 
disallowed indeed of men, but chosen of God and precious. Ye also, as lively stones, are built up a spiritual house and holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God by Jesus Christ. Wherefore also it is contained in the scripture, Behold, I lay in Sion a chief corner stone, elect, precious. You catch on a similar verbiage here. Elect, precious. And he that believeth on him shall not be confounded. Unto you therefore which believe he is precious. But unto them which, the, is, which be disobedient, the stone which the builders disallowed, the same is made the head of the corner, and a stone of stumbling, and a rock of offense, even to them which stumble at the word, being disobedient, whereunto also they were appointed. But ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, and holy nation, a peculiar people, that ye should shew forth the praise of him who hath called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. A precious stone to be put as the cornerstone. This seems a little bit odd, because typically we don't use precious stones as a cornerstone. That's buried corner of the building, and uh, you don't ever see it. You're just glad it is there. Now, I will tell you there's a difference in stones and rocks in Scripture, if you're ever wondering. Uh, when stone is interpreted in the Bible, stone is a movable piece. It is something that can be thrown. You think of David and the five smooth stones, um, stones that are rolled. There's, there's a lot of different applications for stones. But then there's rocks. What's the difference between a rock and a stone? In Scripture, there is a difference. A rock is still in the ground. It is still part of the earth. That is a rock. This is the way it's interpreted in Scripture. And then a stone is something that is movable. So then I just began to wonder, what is a rock and what is a stone? And so we're going to get a little bit of science lesson this morning. Go back to fourth grade. I'm curious, does anyone here this morning know the three basic classifications of rocks or stones? Anybody think of the three basic classifications of rocks? Anybody know? Just one of them? Anybody I know you guys know this. Yes, what's one of them? Sedimentary. sedimentary. That's one. Sedimentary walk. What, what, what is another type of rock? Anybody know? Sedimentary. He probably knows all three, but we won't let him answer all three. <laughs> Anybody else? All, all? Okay, so I'm going to go through them very briefly and give you the definition. The first form of rock is an igneous rock. It for, it's from the Greek word for fire. It forms when hot molten rock or magma crystallizes and solidifies. The melt originates deep within the earth near active plate boundaries or hot spots, then rises towards the surface. A type of igneous rock would be granite. Granite is an igneous rock. And granite is the second hardest thing known to man. There's, there's one thing that can cut granite, and we'll get to that in just a minute. So granite or igneous rock, second type of rock, sedimentary rocks are formed from pre-existing rocks or pieces of once living organisms. A biologic sediment, sedimentary rock forms when large numbers of living things die, pile up, and are compressed and cemented to form rock. Indiana is very well known for sedimentary rocks or one particular one. It's actually the state rock or state stone. I was looking at it yesterday when we were in the state house. If you look at the state house, you're seeing a sedimentary rock. Does anybody know what that sedimentary rock that Indiana is famous for? It is limestone. It's Indiana limestone. We have built so many buildings. I've been told I haven't verified this, but more than 30 state capitals have some Indiana limestone in them. The Tennessee capital was built with Tennessee limestone. It lasted for a little while, began to crumble. They rebuilt the Tennessee capital with Indiana limestone. Indiana limestone is also on display in Washington, D.C. Uh, you've seen it at the Pentagon, right? And when it was hit in 2001, 
um, one of the first pieces of material back on the scene in Washington, D.C. for the Pentagon was Indiana Limestone. They've actually cordoned off that quarry. That's the Pentagon quarry, and they went in exact dimensions, brought those rocks right back to the capital, our, our U.S. capital, and built the Pentagon. If you, you, if you like baseball, I love baseball, Yankee Stadium. When you're looking at Yankee Stadium, new $1 billion stadium, when you're seeing Yankee Stadium, you're actually looking at, at Indiana. I was on a tour one time of New York City. We're driving around the tour bus, and the tour guy was saying, see, this is the Empire State Building. He's giving me all these stats and figures of the Empire State Building. And so I just finally raised my hand. I said, do you know what the, the rock is on, on the outside of the Empire State Building? And he said, no, I, I don't. I said, well, that's limestone from Indiana. He said, are you from Indiana? I said, yes. He's like, yeah, never could have guessed. You know, I, I love Indiana. And you're looking at the Empire State Building, but you're actually looking at Indiana, which is pretty special. And so limestone, it's hard, and it is a wonderful type of rock. It is a sedimentary type of rock. We also have other state things. We're about to get a new state snack. You guys are like, seriously? No, really. Uh, a couple of years ago, we got a new state bug. The state bug is the saves firefly or lightning bug, all right? Uh, and that's the lightning bugs our state. And this year, we, they just passed it, actually, just in the past week or so. Our state snack is going to be popcorn. But anyway, so uh, things you learn at church, right? Isn't this interesting? What a lesson. All right, the third type of rock in the classifications of science is a metamorphic rock. And a metamorphic rock starts out as some other type of rock, but has been substantially changed from its original igneous, sedimentary, or even earlier metamorphic form. Rocks and stones are used for lots of things in scripture. They're used, they're a precious stone, right? In Genesis, there's a precious stone. Rocks are used and stones are used for seats, for pillows, for pillars. For those of you from the south, those are two very distinctly different things. Pillow and pillar. My dad gets them mixed up. He's from Kentucky. He's like, I'm going to go lay my head on the pillar. No, no, it's not a dad. That's not correct. Um, but that's, it comes probably, I'm thinking it comes from Genesis 28, 18. And Jacob rose up early in the morning and took the stone that he had for his pillows and, and set it up for a pillar and poured oil on top of it. So maybe that's where they're getting mixed up. It's not a pillar. Like it's, it, I was trying to explain it to my dad. He doesn't get it. But stones are used for cutting, for covering, for altars, for judgment. The Ten Commandments carved, carved out of rock and became those stones, memorials, walls, burials, weapons, all sorts of ways that stones are used. But here in our context, we're talking about a precious stone. What do we use precious stones for? Well, this metamorphic type of stone we use specifically. Can you imagine if you were to have fallen in love with this girl and you want to propose to her and on the way to propose, you pick up just a real nice big rock off the, off the side of the road. Be like, the bigger the better, right guys? And so I remember distinctly, I was uh, going to propose to my wife, and I, I, didn't have, um, I didn't have much money, but I did have my very first car that I ever owned. I was 14 years old when I bought it, and I bought it out of a junkyard. It was a primer gray 1968 Mustang. And so I, I fixed it up. Uh, new paint. I, I would sit in it when I was 14 years old and just dream about fixing it up. And so I did. I fixed it up, got it all, and I was driving around. But then I thought, well, I've met a girl, and I want to be able to give her a wonderful, precious stone. And so I sold the Mustang. Now, when my son heard about this, he's like, Dad, was there not any other way? I'm like, son, you wouldn't be here if I hadn't sold that Mustang and bought this ring. And he's like, surely there was another way. 
And, and so, but but I, I loved my wife. I loved this girl, and I wanted to propose to her. But can you imagine if I go to propose to her, and I, I'm, I don't spend a lot of money on a precious stone. I just go grab a, a chunk of limestone, and I'm going to propose to that, you know. And, and I kneel down, and I give her this, this rock. And she's like, yeah, thanks. And um, I, that would have been a bomb anyway. I went to propose to my wife, and it was down in Kentucky at the Natural Arch. My grandparents had been engaged there and I thought that'd be so special and so we go there and I'm driving down this road and I can't find the arch we go all the way to the end of the road into the in a creek and it's like well that I never did she's like what are we doing I'm not sure <laughs> so on the way back I just pulled off the side of the road and I said how about will you marry me it was terrible but at least I had a ring that had a precious stone in it there's something about the value and and sacrificing a bit for this precious stone now, where is this going? If we're thinking about a gift is as a precious stone. Jesus describes himself in 1 Peter here as the precious stone. I want to go to Matthew chapter number 27. Matthew chapter number 27. This will be our last portion that we get to. Matthew 27. And Jesus, he's on the cross. Matthew 27, verse number 50. 50. Jesus, when he had cried again with a loud voice, yielded up the ghost. And behold, the veil of the temple was rent in twain from the top to the bottom, and the earth did quake, and the rocks rent. You see, remember the definition here of a rock in Scripture is still in the ground. And a stone is more portable and transportable. And so the rocks in the ground rent, and the graves were opened, and the many bodies of the saints which slept arose and came out of the graves after, the resurrection, after his resurrection and went into the holy city and appeared unto many. Now when the centurion and they that were with him watching Jesus saw the earthquake and those things that were done, they feared greatly, saying, truly this was the Son of God. Jesus Christ on the cross. Now, as we're thinking about our three basic classifications of rocks, Jesus on the cross points us to a particular passage of Scripture by quoting from it. Psalm chapter number 22. He says, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Pointing us then to Psalm 22, to how he's feeling. Okay? One of the verses in Psalm 22, verse number 14 says, I am poured out like water, and all my bones are out of joint. My heart is like wax. It is melted in the midst of my bowels. The case I want to make to you this morning is this. Jesus Christ on the cross, pointing us to Psalm 22 makes us know that he, in terms of science, is our igneous rock. He is melted. He is melted there on the cross. Jesus Christ melt that hot, molten rock and magma crystallizes, but it solidifies. And on the cross, Jesus Christ becomes our igneous rock, the rock of our salvation. Jesus Christ on the cross, heart melting. He becomes that granite upon which we can build our lives. Second one then, sedimentary rocks. What about this? It's, it's when l large numbers of living things die, pile up, and are compressed and cemented to form rock. Jesus Christ on the cross. What happens there? 1 John 2, 2 says this, And he is the propitiation for our sins, and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. Your sins, my sins, piled on Jesus Christ. 
piled on him on the cross. And scripture also describes it this way. He snatches away the handwriting of ordinances that was against you and I because we are guilty. Snatched it away, nails it to the cross. The blood blots it out. And then we then are set free because of that sacrifice of Jesus on the cross. Even the Father looks at him and turns away. And he says, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? He turns away. He can't look at sin. Cannot be a part of it. All of your sin and mine compressed to form the cemented rock of our salvation. Jesus Christ, our igneous rock. Jesus Christ, our sedimentary rock. The granite and the limestone upon which we can build solid lives. But then this third one is actually a whole lot of fun. Metamorphic rock. Jesus was once a different life form, in a different form. He was in heaven. And they needed to come up with a plan to remedy the brokenness of the world because of our sins and our choices. And God looks down and says, I know what we'll do. We'll send Jesus. So Jesus comes and he becomes flesh among us. Incarnate Christ. He comes here. He's very different in this form than he was in that form. He's been metamorphosized from heaven to earth. He becomes a metamorphic rock in one sense, but I love the definition of the metamorphic rock in that it says uh, it's been substantially changed from its original igneous, sedimentary, or even earlier metamorphic form. So Jesus comes, metamorphosizes here, but then what happens? In verse number 57 of Matthew 27. When the evening was come, there came a rich man from Arimathea named Joseph, who also himself was Jesus' disciple. He went to Pilate and begged the body of Jesus. Then Pilate commanded the body to be delivered. And when Joseph had taken the body, he wrapped it in a clean linen cloth and laid it in his own new tomb, which he had hewn out in the rock. And he rolled a great stone to the door of the, of the sepulcher and, was, and departed. And there was Mary Magdalene and the other Mary sitting over against the sepulcher. Now, the next day that followed the day of preparation, the chief priests and Pharisees came together into Pilate saying, Sir, we remember that that deceiver, they're talking about Jesus, that deceiver said, while he was yet alive, after three days I will rise again. Command, therefore, that the sepulcher be made sure until the third day, lest his disciples come by night and steal him away. And saying to the people, he's risen from the dead. So the last error shall be worse than the first. And Pilate said to them, look at what Pilate says to him. I find this fascinating. He says, you have a watch. Go your way. Make it as sure as you can. I think Pilate in the back of his mind has a little doubt. He's like, I'm, there's a possibility. <laughs> so you go make it as sure as you can. So they do. They went and made the sepulcher sure, sealing the stone and setting a watch. Guards outside and a seal. You know what they, they seal this with? They get some wax, and they get the signet ring from Pilate, and they seal it, meaning it cannot be broken. Our seals are a little different today. If you're driving behind a semi-trailer today, or sometime soon, look at the back where there's a handle. If this thing has product inside it, there'll be a colorful zip tie there. Uh, and when you see that zip tie, it's a seal. And what it's saying is, this has been sealed from its place of origin to its destination. If that, if that zip tie has been broken or tampered with in any way, they know something has gotten into there. And so that seal, that's kind of our modern day seal. So that's what they've done. They've sealed the stone so no one can get in there. But in the end of the Sabbath, as it began to dawn toward the first day of the week, came Mary Magdalene and the other Mary to see the sepulcher. And behold, there was a great earthquake, for the angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came back and rolled 
came and rolled back the stone from the door and sat upon him. What just happened? We just celebrated this last week, although I think every Sunday we should celebrate the risen Lord, right? It's that first day of the week that we come to worship a risen Christ. The stone has been rolled away, and what has happened in a short three days, the metamorphic rock of Jesus Christ metamorphosizes yet again and becomes our precious stone. And and it's a big thing these days with engagements, right? It's a big thing for the reveal. The reveal is just the thing. And so it's put on uh, Instagram and all the stories, and, and it's this reveal, and it's a special way that the guy reveals the ring to the girl and uh, if you've ever heard those out, or seen those outtakes where they're, you know, it's the, the guy and the girl, they have to do several takes of it to get it just right. It's like, that's so silly to me. Um, but, but just to get it just right, just to get the video just right, they got multiple camera angles. It's the reveal. What just happened here in Matthew 27 was the great reveal. God in sending his son, his only son, his precious son, this precious stone, the diamond that sparkles and glitters, what he has just done is rolled back the stone and revealed to all the world, I love you. And I love you this much that I'm willing to sacrifice such a great cost That Jesus Christ bankrupt heaven to come and give us eternal life through his son, Jesus Christ. The great reveal. Now, how awkward would it be? I had a friend of mine. He really liked this girl. He took her out to eat. They're sitting across this fancy restaurant. He looks at her. He looks her in the eyes. And he says, I love you. She didn't respond. At all awkward right in the great words of rio awkward that's really odd we don't it's she's totally left him hanging how awkward would it be to see that marriage proposal you know sometimes those guys do it you know at the ball game or whatever will you marry well she's kind of under a lot of pressure she probably needs to say yes um but that'd be really bad if she said no right in the middle in front of all those people no or "Eh, i'll think about it God, in his love towards you and I, has done the great reveal, rolling away the stone to reveal the precious stone of Jesus Christ. And he's saying, I love you. Will you marry me? That's the proposal this morning. To each and every one of us, this great invitation that God has extended to the world. Will you marry me? Now, for me, I'm so glad that I've accepted this great proposal. I look forward to the marriage supper of the Lamb in heaven where we get to spend eternity with him. But now we're in this betrothal time, waiting for him to come and get us, as the Hebrew custom was. We're waiting for that time. But the question comes to you this morning. God is saying, I love you. Will you marry me? Are you leaving him hanging? Eh, maybe later. I don't know. I'm telling you. There is no greater love, no greater love than a man lay down his life for his friends. There's no greater love than Jesus Christ coming to earth, dying, being buried in the tomb, metamorphosizing into the metamorphic rock and becoming not only the igneous rock, but sedimentary rock, but the the metamorphic rock of our salvation. You know, as I look at the world, there's a lot going on. There's a lot of chaos but I'm glad I'm not building my life 
on sinking sand, but on the rock of Jesus Christ. My hope is not in the state house. My hope is not in the White House. My hope is not in the courthouse. Aren't you glad that our hope can be in God's house? My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly lean on Jesus' name, on Christ, the solid rock I stand. All other ground is sinking sand. All other ground is sinking sand. Are you building your life on the rock of your salvation? The rock of ages that was cleft for me. Let me hide myself in thee. The rock of Jesus Christ. He is solid. He is sure. He is the cornerstone of our faith and of the church. One quick note of application I don't know if you've received such a great salvation or this great marriage proposal from the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. I don't know if you've been there yet, but if you have, let's just assume many of you have. What happens when that engagement takes place? That girl is excited, right? I mean, it's like, hey, everybody, how you doing? You see any? You know, I'm just wondering. And just showing it off, right? And it's, it's everywhere, showing off the ring. I remember when I was saved at six years old, I recognized my need for salvation. I bowed the knee to the King of Kings. He washed me clean. I was excited when I got saved. My, I had my mom and dad even stop before we ever get home because I wanted to tell my Aunt Debbie. I got to tell my Aunt Debbie that I just got saved. I wanted to tell her. You want to tell people. When Jesus comes in and takes up residence as the king of kings in your life, you want to tell people. Now, for the believer, sometimes the, the love wanes. And, and God didn't go anywhere. Jesus didn't go anywhere. But we, in our sin, tend to drift sometimes. There was a legislator from the microphone this week. I was shocked he said this. He said, through COVID, I haven't been going to church, and I've just stopped watching, and I'm drifting away. Oh, he said, I don't even know if that's a thing. I'm, I'm, I was sitting right behind him on the camera, and I'm like, yep, it's a thing. I didn't say anything. My eyes didn't go up. I, I, the speaker said, you have, if you're going to sit there, you have to have no facial expressions. So I'm, yes. Wow, there is a thing that's drifting away. And it could be that you, you take the ring and you take it off, just put it in your pocket. You don't want to tell anybody about Jesus. You know, I mean, he's nice and everything, but you've lost the fervor. As Revelation says, you've lost your first love. Are you there this morning, or are you, are you excited to tell other people about God and what he's done for you? The rock of your salvation, that igneous, sedimentary, and metamorphic rock that you can build your life upon. The rest of the world is in chaos, but we can have hope in Jesus Christ. Father, we come before you. Thank you for your word this morning, and thank you that you are the rock of my salvation. Lord, I pray if there's anybody here today that hasn't accepted so great a proposal of love, that they would do that today. Today is the day of salvation. And yet if there's some of us who are not as excited to tell others about you, would you renew that in our heart this morning? In Christ's name, amen. Why don't you go ahead and stand this morning as we consider what Matt has said. Jesus is solid rock on which we stand, on which we build our lives. Maybe you're here this morning and you've never experienced that salvation moment, that moment where you said, Jesus, I want you to be in charge of my life. 
I want you to take over everything. I want you to take over my desires, my feelings, my emotions. I want you to take over my relationships. I want you to have it all. I'm going to invite Aaron and Lori to come down on this side and Len to come down on this side. And they want to pray with you. They want to pray with you that you would accept Jesus, that you would begin to follow him. Or if you have prayer needs and have prayer, need prayer for anything else, anything else, they want to pray with you as we close out in song. Yeah, I was just thinking, sing that chorus real quick. I'm Christ the solid rock I stand All of the ground is sinking sand All of the ground is sinking sand Cause fear, he is a liar He will take your breath he will take your breath, stop you in your steps. Fear, he is a liar, and he will rob your rest, steal your happiness, cast your fear in the fire. Cause fear, he is. A liar, sing that chorus again. Oh, fear, he is a liar, and he will take your breath, stop you in your steps. Fear, he is a liar, he will rob your rest, steal your happiness, cast your fear. In the fire, cause fear, he is a liar, cause fear, he is a liar. You guys ready to have an amazing week? All right, listen, next week we're going to start our series on national defense, what the Bible says about a nation and its ability to defend itself, law, order, police, etc. All of that is in Scripture. We're going to begin to dive into that. Don't forget as you go out the doors, hang a right, May the 1st, let's renovate transformation. Haha, <laughs> thanks Richard. I know you're not in here. But sign up to help us transform our children's area. You guys have an amazing, amazing week. Thank you.